0: Hi! Welcome to the CJB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, hear from Kyle Walters as the Blue Bombers make a trade, acquiring Zach Caleros from the Argonauts at the trade deadline. Also, we'll head to Winkler for the MJHL report and talk to the new head coach of the Flyers. And finally, we'll learn about a new book from a former sports anchor, spent a lot of time in Brandon, covered the Oilers in the 80s, did a bit of coverage of the Jets, Bruce Buchanan. On the podcast, <music> Kyle Walters, general manager of the Blue Bombers, had a conference call about an hour and a half ago with reporters, and the first question he was asked was, "Well, why is that, hilarious? Uh Well, we've been
1: we've been looking for a veteran quarterback for quite a while. We had talked about it in our meetings, and you know, we had reached out to four guys with CFL experience. You know to see see about their interests coming back and, and none of them none of them were we had reached out to Jim pop about you know in our meetings that when we talked about the guys that, that we are interested in and guys that, that, that we think would be a fit here or, or we'd like to bring in the organization that the the, uh, the name from the coaching staff and scouting department was a Zach Claros with, with his experience level but uh, Jim pop when we when I talked to Jim about it there was really there was really no interest in Jim. Uh, from Jim to to move Zach. So, uh, with what happened over there, recent in the last few days, we figured I'd revisit with the with the new regime, and you know things were able to get done. But to answer the to answer the question was we we've been looking to add a veteran quarterback and just hadn't <laughs> hadn't had much success, you know, convincing someone to come here or have the ability to bring somebody in up until now.
0: So there was no deal, and then Jim Pop was fired, and now there's a deal, and they got it done. I guess at third three fifty nine thirty. 35930? And the deadline was 4 p.m. Central, so a little bit of sweating there. But what does Caleros bring to the Bombers? Well, I just think,
1: most importantly, a veteran, veteran leadership, the guy who's played, played in the Grey Cup and had some success in this league. And when we sat in here and discussed the quarterbacks, it was pretty important that if we do bring somebody in, we did want him to have some CFL experience. Um, to have somebody like Zach, who's who's had some wins in this league and had some success, and it was important for the organization if we were to bring somebody in that there was somebody we felt comfortable meeting those parameters.
0: But what about the fact that Mike O'Shea kept saying that they were good with the quarterbacks they had, and it would be too hard for someone to come in and learn the system?
1: Well, I think Mike likes to obviously keep his his the, keep the, the cards close to the vest organizationally, and is not going to tip his hand to anything. So, which is why you know the veteran component. Sort has seen the defenses, and if anyone's going to have the ability to pick up a system and, and sort of, if needed to play, play, then then it would be a veteran guy.
0: So what does this move mean for Chris Streveler?
1: It's depth and competition, and you know I, we'll we'll defer all of these type of questions to Mike. We'll let we'll let Zach get into town, um, let him let him take a few snaps, and um, you know you'd like you'd like to think everybody out in that practice field is competing with each other every day from the from the new guys here on expanded PR. To regular practice roster guys to to the backups, everybody here is going to is wanting to push the guy in front of them to start, and that's as I said, that's up to the coaching staff to to figure out who fits in where
0: because it is a conference call, you get the odd beep and lack of audio quality, but forgive me for that. What about what they gave up, which was basically just a dozen or so spots in the draft,
1: yeah, I guess we said that at the time where we were talking about who do we reach out for and uh, you know Zach wasn't available during that conversation where um whether well, certain guys out there that we weren't sure of their, what we would take or that we would want, to be honest with you. Once Zach became available, revisited, and, you know, I thought you know, it is what it is. You decide. You have, you have And it happened so quickly. You just had to sort of make a quick decision and decide we're going to do this or we're going to not do it. But I think, you know, I think, I think dropping whatever it is, whatever it will work out to be, 12, 13 spots in the draft. For him to come in and, and see what happens was, was worth the risk.
0: Now they could also give up a first-round pick, as I said, if re signs with the team in the offseason, But that's not on Walter's mind right now.
1: That's a long way off. We're just focused, you know, on a, obviously short-term. We brought him in as a veteran presence. Right now, we're going to get through the last three regular season games, and we're going to we're going to make a, the goal is obviously to make a run in the playoffs and win the Grey Cup, and then we'll take a deep breath and evaluate everybody from our roster and who fits in
0: next year and who doesn't now some are questioning and i think fairly so zach Caleros' health hasn't been a strength of his he's been hurt a lot he's had a concussion history
1: obviously with any with any trade or any player we you know we talk with our medical staff and the the medical teams in the cfl are a tight-knit community and keep uh they're open obviously and and, and frank with, with assessments and sharing of information. So I certainly rely, we rely organizationally on the information from, from the medical staff, and, and, and we're confident with, with the reports they give us.
0: So Zach Kolaris is on his way to Winnipeg. I'm sure we'll hear from him either tomorrow or Friday. I would think it's probably tomorrow that he'll have a media availability. Time for the MJHL Report. And this week, we head to Winkler to talk to new head coach of the Flyers, Kelvin Check. He's from Alberta originally, but came to Winkler in the offseason after spending the last three seasons as an assistant coach at UBC, University of British Columbia Thunderbirds. Kelvin, welcome to the show. What has been the difference, the biggest difference you've seen transitioning from the U Sports game to Junior A hockey? I
2: think the biggest difference is that, uh, you know, the University hockey Hockey is, is more structured. Um, the guys are older and they've they've spent a lot of time, you know, working on systems and being in the right positions and things like that. So I think our level is a little bit more exciting um, from that standpoint because there's more mistakes and you know things open up a little bit more. Um, that said, you know, university hockey it's it's just a little bit tighter. Like the uh, the talent talent wise, it's all it's a little bit more even. We're here. There's more discrepancy. You know, from from 17 to 20 years old is a really that's a big gap, um, whereas 21 to 24, 25 isn't. So, yeah, it's definitely you know both are very exciting and, uh, and there's a lot of cool things uh, at both levels.
0: What's the biggest difference between you know older players and then players still in their teens that are still developing to some degree?
2: Well, that's just it. Is the I mean we we still worked on developing our, our older players. At UBC, but uh, you know, a lot of times they're coming in hot from class, and we've got a lot of other things going on, and they're stressed about about finals and assignments and things like that. Whereas at this level, you know, it's the uh, the guys can get to practice a lot earlier. and We can spend more time looking at video and working on in- individual things as well as uh, as well as team stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's just the the, the focus. Um, that being said, I mean we have 17 year olds on our team that are still going to school, and they have to balance it. So there's still a balance to be struck and there's a lot more games in junior hockey, you know? Um, so yeah, you know, both of them, you know, there's a balance. I mean, that's hockey. There's there's other stuff that's going on all the time, but uh, yeah, I'd say that's the biggest difference.
0: For you personally, what's the biggest change for you moving from a full-time assistant coach to now the head coach of a program?
2: Biggest difference from the head coach from assistant to head coach. I mean, you get to call the shots now and, uh, you know, the, the buck stops with you sort of thing. And, and the final decisions are yours we're, As an assistant, um, you know, you're trying to support the message of the head coach and at UBC, you know, Sven and I got along really well and we we saw eye to eye on a lot of things. Um, but at the end of the day it's you know, it's his call, he's the one that's right in the lineup on the board and same thing here and it's you know, it's a challenge that I really look forward to and I really, you know, embrace those those conversations and, and those obstacles that we have to get past to get better.
0: So you've only played eight games this season, but already a couple of days ago the headline of your captain was traded to Wayway What was that process like?
2: Um hardest day since I've been here. Um one of the most difficult days I've had in hockey. Um, you know, when we when we sat down here with Brody and and, and told him. Um, you know, process wise, you know, it was something that uh you know, a move that we that we deemed was necessary to bring in a defenseman uh, like Garrett Zaremly. But you know, again, yeah, you go back to the process and, and work with Brody and Brody and I have have a really good relationship, and, and we'll hopefully continue to in the future. And I'm, I'm really happy for him because he gets a he gets a pretty cool opportunity to expand his horizons and go somewhere new with Weiwei, and you know a really strong program there with a good coach and Taylor Harnett, So yeah, just you know, that's. The only way I can describe it is it was, it was brutal, it was, it was difficult, um, you know, and then uh, the sun came up the next day and you turn the page and to get someone like Garrett Zarembi who's been on the ice with us a couple times now and we're just thrilled to have him and, you know, he's going to be a huge part of our team and, and we're going to move forward.
0: Taking over as head coach of the Flyers, what were the expectations of this team that you expressed to the team heading into the season?
2: our expectations for the team is just that, you know, just, just so we'd compete. And I, and I know that's a dumb old cliche, but, you know, with, uh, with our GM, Jeff Jeanson and our head scout, Mike McCauley, we worked all summer to bring in players just to training camp. Just, I mean, our focus was the first in the training camp to make sure that it was competitive, um, and make sure that we we're really pushing the pace and everyone understood that, you know, it's uh, new coaches and new staff and they, you know, everyone understood that it's, that there's jobs there available, Um, you know, and even for a lot of the guys coming back, there's pressure on them, you know, because they're working towards roll and towards ice time. So, um, you know, yeah, our our expectations are just that they would compete. You know, we, uh, we we only have a couple rules here in Winkler and we want guys to be on time and uh, no bad body language. And as long as we're following those rules and we show up every day ready to get better. I mean, those are, those are ultimately, yeah, those, those are our expectations.
0: For your personal lifestyle, moving from Vancouver to Manitoba, what's that been like?
2: <laughs> what are you saying? What do you mean? This is the exact same.
0: <laughs> you mean the two degrees in snow and rain and wet that we're getting this week is just what you were used to in Vancouver?
2: <laughs> this is this is what I've learned. In the first couple weeks I was here, I was really defensive. Um, when people would give me a hard time and share me about the weather to come, and I would say, no, I'm from Alberta, it's fine, I can handle it. And that just made it, like, they just would push harder. Say, so, no, 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 you can't handle it, you can't handle this. So, I just started to look at the positive, and I tell people, now I'm just looking forward to seeing the sun. So, as of right now, today here in Winkler, the weather is the exact same as it is uh, in Vancouver. It's raining, and it's windy, and it's gross. But yesterday it was plus 25, so, yeah, I don't know, it's going to be... It's going to be a shift for sure, but uh, just like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing the sun, and uh, and I'm looking forward to snow.
0: That's true. It's if you if there's one thing about living on the West Coast, it's that you're getting a lot of wet, and you're not seeing the sun much.
2: No, and the guys get depressed, and that third week in November when midterms roll around, everyone's just sad, and you know, popping vitamin D pills and stuff like that just to keep themselves from you know not wanting to not get out of bed. So. It was hard. I came to Vancouver and said I love the rain, and I'm going to lie to myself here and say that I love the uh, blowing snow.
0: And it's going to get real cold, but you're ready for that.
2: Yeah, absolutely, no problem.
0: Perfect. So, uh, just before I let you go, why did you decide to get into coaching in the first place?
2: Um, I decided to get into coaching because uh, my coaches in college told me I was a much better coach than a player. Um, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't by it wasn't my choice to start with. Um, and then once I, yeah, once I, once I finished school and I got serious about it, I just, you know, I, I just, it's, it's just such a cool job. And I really, you know, I, I enjoy the responsibility. Um, I like being, you know, I, I like being in charge and I like being able to set, you know, to set my schedule and being able to work whenever I can and or whenever I want to. And, you know, that means you have some late nights and things like that, but it means you're responsible for trying to get your team and, and make your team better and, Make individual players better. So, you know, I just really, it's, I guess I just gravitate towards it, and I, you know, I, I love I love working and being part of a team. And I love working towards something that's bigger than, you know, where the sum is greater than the whole of its parts. You know, whatever whatever that kind of whatever that saying is, you know, it's the team is bigger than any one individual, and and uh, you know that's what we've got here in Winkler, and that's what we're working towards. So, you know, it's. uh it's been a it's been a long time coming. I guess I've been coaching for however old I am sixteen, fifteen, sixteen years, something like that. So, you know, I just I've gone off and done other things a couple of times, and I just always come back to it, and it's uh, just a natural fit for me.
0: What would you be doing if you weren't coaching hockey?
2: If I wasn't coaching hockey, I'd be uh, writing books in the woods, um, living off the grid, far far away from society. Um, so that's actually what I do in the summer. I I try to get away from from the city, so yeah, I guess that's what I'll say. I'd be writing something.
0: Okay, well, I appreciate you uh, taking time to talk to me tonight, and maybe you'll uh, write a championship season with the Winkler Flyers this season. That'll be quite the book.
2: Oh, man, that's perfect. Okay, I'm just going to write that down right now. I like that.
0: I am joined on the line by Bruce Buchanan, Sent me an email earlier this month saying, hey, I released a book called Darren Gone, a memoir on his broadcasting career, and I thought, this sounds interesting. So we welcome in Bruce to the show. Bruce, how are you doing tonight?
3: I'm doing fine, Christian. I don't like the sound of that forecast. I'm heading for Manitoba tomorrow, so uh, (laughs) hopefully the the highway will be okay. I'm just going to be in Brandon tomorrow, so. Hopefully I'll get there safe and sound.
0: Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's going to be great, but uh, we wish you the best of luck on your journey. So, uh, first of all, just uh, I guess let's go back to how much time did you spend in Brandon in your broadcasting career?
3: Uh, Total about four years. Uh, I got hired by CKX Radio and TV in uh, the spring of 1979. And I departed in the summer of 1983, so just a little over four years.
0: Okay, and that was right at the early part of your career?
3: Uh, Yes, that was my first, well, second full-time job in broadcasting, but my first taste of television. Okay.
0: And why did you decide to write a book? It's called Darren Gone. Why did you decide to write the book?
3: Well, um, I think there were a couple of reasons. Uh, You know, I had the benefit of broadcasting for arguably the best team that ever played in the NHL, so... And I did it at a at a very young age as well. So I thought both of those things were rather unique. Um, you know, I, I mean, anybody who makes it to the NHL as a broadcaster, it's something they're very proud of. But for me to have the opportunity to broadcast for a team as good as the orders were made it uh, kind of extra special. And I thought uh, people would enjoy some of the stories. Uh, I was generally the same age as most of the star players on the team. And, and uh, you know, I just thought I'd like to... I'd like to relate a few of the the, uh, interesting and and more amusing stories that I had in in my 12-year career with the Oilers.
0: How old were you when you got the
3: job? I was hired at the age of 23, and I was 24 when I started. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I was the youngest broadcaster in the NHL at that time. So I was pretty proud of that as well. How
0: did you swing that?
3: (laughs) Well, it's kind of a funny story. I was uh, I was the radio broadcaster for the Brandon Wheat Kings for two and a half years, and if you can believe it, uh, the manager from ITV Edmonton, which is now global, just happened to be flipping through the few radio channels one night on driving through the prairies, and he heard me calling a game. So uh, he got a hold of me late in that, uh, I guess it was the 83 season, because I started in the fall of 83, and... Uh, Got Tim Spellacy, who turned out to be my host. They were doing a game in Winnipeg, and I went in for an interview and took in an audition tape, and about three months later, I was hired by ITV.
0: Sometimes you just need that one lucky break, right?
3: Yeah, you certainly do.
0: Did anyone uh, in the older kind of guard of broadcasting resent the fact that a 23-year-old comes in and gets to broadcast this amazing team?
3: You know, I I don't really know. Uh, I developed a pretty good relationship with the media in Edmonton. And and, uh, as far as anybody around the league, I'm sure there were probably a few people uh, that were kind of hurt by it, thinking that uh, maybe it should have been their opportunity that they paid their dues and things like that. But you know what? I never really gave that much thought. Um, I tried, I prided myself on preparation and trying to improve myself and never thought I did a perfect game. I always thought I could improve every time out. So, I worked hard to try and try and do a good job for the station and for the oilers now when
0: you uh i guess what what brought about the end of the Oilers experience for you
3: well you know it's a, a political business right so uh I did the games in Edmonton from uh, eighty four to ninety or well yeah, eighty four to ninety one and then uh the, Television rights changed, in Edmonton went mm-hmm. from ITV to CFRN, which is, was the CTV affiliate. So they actually had the games for five years, and then A-Channel started up in 97, which was owned by my friends the Craigs and Brandon, and uh, they came after me to do the order games again, and then I did them up until 2001. Uh, so Sportsnet was, entered the scene then as well, and uh, I was under contract to a company called Molestar, not under contract to Sportsnet, so they phased me out, and my water career was over in 2001, and you may or may not know, Christian, that in between, I actually did the Jets on Sea Candy in Winnipeg for for a couple of seasons in the early 90s.
0: And I guess uh, the transition from Edmonton to Winnipeg, was it a bit of a drop-off?
3: Well, you know what? I I don't like to look at it that way. I mean, uh, you know, the NHL is a pretty entertaining league, and it's the, the top league out there, so uh, I mean, there weren't many nights when the Oilers disappointed you, but and so you were always kind of expecting an exciting and exciting game when the Oilers played. But you know what, uh, the NHL is the NHL, and having the opportunity to do it—I mean, I used to say it doesn't matter how much you prepare, you still don't know uh, what exactly is going to happen in the hockey game. So that's what makes it kind of interesting when you're doing live TV.
0: Did you have to make sure during all that because you were so young to to tell yourself don't take this for granted because this is amazing?
3: Well, uh, you know what, I don't think I appreciated as much that as I do now, or uh, you know, looking back on it. And I think a lot of people who were around the team at that time said the same thing. I don't think we realized just what a special situation we were in. And uh, you know, it's years later when you look back on it and you think, Oh, gee, you know, it it really was a special place to be at that time, but. I think he kinda got, I kind of got caught up in the excitement of actually just being in the NHL and doing the games that maybe sometimes I didn't realize just how special that was because of the team I was calling uh, games for.
0: So what do you do now?
3: What do I do now? I'm in the safety business. I'm actually a, a safety advisor, so a complete career change and uh, <laughs> quite a change from being a broadcaster, but uh, it's worked out pretty well, too.
0: So, if people uh, buy your book, there and gone, what can they expect to find in it?
3: Well, you know what I like to call it a feel-good story. Um, I, I grew up wanting to be a be a broadcaster, having the opportunity to, uh, especially to do play-by-play, and then you get the opportunity to do the orders in the in the early '80s at such a young age, and uh, it, it's a feel-good story talking about how you know how I got there, uh, how I prepared to get there, and then course, after I got to Edmonton, being among uh, so many uh, Hall of Fame players, working with so many great people in the television business, from producers to analysts. I mean, I worked with guys like John Garrett and Harry Neal and Scotty Bowman and, and John Davidson. I, I mean, I worked with some of the best people in the business. And, and then talking about some of the road trips and the, the places I enjoyed going and some of the stories, uh, it all came from all that. Uh, it's, it's kind of a feel-good story until the end when I kind of talk about how it all ended. So there's the uh, title of the book, And <laughs> <laughs> uh No, I, I think anybody who's a hockey fan, and you know, you don't necessarily have to be a fan of the Oilers, but you know, I know there were a lot of winner fans out there, and certainly they were famous for what they accomplished. So you know, I tried to use that to my advantage. I think people will really enjoy some of the stories that I have in there.
0: And you said you're going to be in Brandon coming up?
3: Yes, I'm actually going to be in Brandon on uh, Friday for a book signing at Coles, and then I'm going to the Wheat Kings game that night, and I'm going to be a guest on the Ritter Mission. They're playing the Saskatoon Blades where I live now, so that'll be interesting. And then I'm coming into Winnipeg on the weekend if I can make it for uh, Thanksgiving with my family. My little sister and mom still live in Winnipeg, and I'm a big Blue Bomber fan. I mentioned that in the book, how I grew up being a Bomber fan, so I'm supposed to be going to the football game on Saturday as well, so... It's going to be a sports-action-packed weekend in Manitoba.
0: Well, I appreciate your time uh, tonight, Bruce. Best of luck with this book.
3: Thank you, Christian. I appreciate you having me on. And just if I can put a plug in, it's available uh, at crossfieldpublishing.ca and on Amazon right now, and we're still working on a deal for Winnipeg Bookstore. So I really appreciate you having me on.
0: No problem. Take care, Bruce. Okay, thank you. Tune into the CGOB Sports Show Weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mel. Or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I dig you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?